0: Episode 2 The Doctor's Story Hello and welcome to Famine Monologues, a new six-part fictional series on the Irish famine written by Anna Carey and performed by leading Irish actors as part of the Great Famine Project on rte.ie forward slash history. In this episode we meet Dr Daniel Donovan from Skibbereen, County Cork who describes in a letter written to a newspaper... The sad details of his practice among a famine stricken people. Dr. Donovan is played by Ray Scannell.
1: January 1847, Skibbereen, West Cork. Dear Sir, my name is Dr. Daniel Donovan. I am writing to your newspaper because my duty to my humble patients here in West Cork. ...obliges me to distress your readers by sharing the sad details of my practice among a famine-stricken people. If you have not been here in years, you may find what I am about to tell you hard to believe. Legions of half-naked starving people parade the streets of this town from morning until night... ...and the most extreme misery can be witnessed in every direction you look. Starvation is stamped on every face. Men who were once healthy and athletic hold out their bony hands and beg for assistance. And the cries of, I am hungry and I am starving by women and dying children is dinned into my ears. It is impossible for my colleagues and I to look after them all. Yesterday morning, I visited the workhouse with a fellow doctor. And when we were leaving, we were accosted by so many desperate people in need of aid, that I could only tear myself away with great difficulty. My colleague remained for over four hours dispensing medicine to those with fever and bowel complaints, which are terribly widespread in this area. That medicine will be too little and too late for most. As I returned from the workhouse to my own house, I heard a loud and mournful wailing from my neighbour's home. A few days before, a desperate family had arrived at my door looking for a coffin to bury their child. My generous neighbour came out to help them and in her act of kindness she contracted a fever from the grieving family and now she is dead. God, this tragedy should teach the wealthy of this country a lesson and should show them that though they are beyond the reach of hunger, they are not beyond the influence of disease. I warn you all, unless something is done to ease the conditions of the poor, their diseases will spread to more and more of the rich. That was just one of the tragedies I witnessed this day. No sooner had I heard the news of my neighbour's death when two men passed by me, bearing a small coffin on their shoulders. Who was dead? I asked them. Back Connell's daughter came the answer. I asked them why Connell was not taking his child to her final resting place. This was the reply. We are burying her for him as he is too weak to do it himself. I could do nothing for Connell or his dead child. And so I set off on my rounds to the hovels of the sick and the hungry. Everywhere I looked, everywhere I went, were scenes of poverty in its most hideous form. I called at the house of a man named John Murphy, where I knew the sickness had lingered on for months. I asked the woman who met me at the doorway how many were suffering from the fever. The woman looked like a ghost. It's not the fever that ails us, she said, but the hunger. And it was that hunger that killed my daughter. My dear sir, if I were to describe the scenes of abject misery which I have witnessed in the houses of the sick, I know that I run the risk of having my statements disbelieved. But I solemnly declare to you all that no words can exaggerate and no pen can describe the misery that the people of this neighbourhood are enduring at this moment. Their cup of pain is filled to overflowing, and I fear they are doomed to drink it to the very dregs. Disease is rampant in every hovel, and death in every village. In the burying ground at Dunmanis, the coffinless bodies are buried at night. Stones are heaped over the grave to stop starving animals from devouring the corpses. There is no ceremony in these burials. No funeral prayers. Families that loved each other now bury their dead with less apparent feeling than they would once have shown to their favourite dog. And perhaps this is the most striking effect of this devastation. These people have always been so loving and full of affection for their families and friends. But this famine is robbing them of their humanity. Children look upon the death struggles of their own parents with no visible sorrow, just dull acceptance, and mothers have no tears to shed for their dead children. Last week, a woman came to my dispensary looking for medicine for her children. Five of the six of them have a fever. But I'd sooner see them dead by morning, she told me. This time 12 months ago, I would as soon lose my heart's blood as one of my children. But it is killing me now to see them starving and to hear them crying. Whole families lie in filthy cabins, the dying next to the putrefying corpses of the dead. A woman called me to come and see her daughter, who was about to give birth. Is the labour bad? I asked her, and she said, no. No but the daughter was suffocating with the smell of the dead man who was lying next to her. I found the poor creature in labour without a scrap of straw to lie on, let alone a blanket. Nearby was the body of her father-in-law, still in the rags and the position in which he had died. It wasn't hunger that took him, but dysentery, that foul disease which is ravaging the countryside. I should tell you that this man was lucky, because at least we were able to make sure he was buried. Just last week, a man called Healy died in a cabin outside the town. The state of the corpse forced his wife and children to flee their filthy hovel. And not long after, a passerby found a horde of dogs and pigs making a feast of the man's remains. This is how people meet their end in West Cork in 1847. It may be hard for those who have not witnessed such horrors to believe that they can take place in this country but I swear to you they do take place every single day and no one who has seen them will ever forget them. I have seen families making shelters in graveyards surrounded by piles of human bones. I have picked up a spade and buried children who have lain dead in the family cabins for days, their mothers too poor to buy a coffin and too weak to bury them themselves. I have seen women whose bony hands are burned and blistered because they fell into the feeble fires in a desperate attempt to warm their sickly limbs. I have seen such terrible things that it is a wonder I sleep at night. And yet I must... Because I have to try to help these poor wretches to the best of my ability. And that is what I will do. I remain, dear sir, your obedient servant, Daniel Donovan, MD, physician to the Skibbereen Dispensary and Union
0: Workhouse. This series is a partnership between RTE, the Department of Tourism, Culture, Arts, Guilthoc, Sport and Media and University College Cork's Atlas of the Great Irish Famine. Produced by Ethna Hand, with sound design by John John Megan. For more information on how disease devastated famine Ireland, go to rte.ie forward slash history.